This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, March 2nd, and this is your 5x5 five five episode. Five writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We'll talk some big picture DFS strategy plus a close look at some questions for the Suns and Wizards, key fantasy questions on both teams, that and more coming up over the next 25 minutes or so as we kick things off with Ryan Knauss, who's already here. Ryan. Hey, Matt. Hello. Hi. Hello. I I wanted to talk about the Wizards. That was me. Um, Do you... So I, I know Steve likes to talk schedule. So I guess I wanted to preface this conversation with you about the Wizards' schedule. They close, you know, beginning next week, they close the fantasy season with four games in each of their final four weeks. It's the best mm-hmm. possible scenario for fantasy, which opens some doors for young guys. So I'm talking specifically off the top about Corey Kispert, a guy yeah. who I didn't think at the beginning of the season I would be recommending at all. Seemed like a pretty hollow fantasy game, just a kind of three and D light, not going to help you with high volume, anything like that. And yet now as we enter the, this final stretch of the season with that schedule, I just talked about yeah. suddenly he looks like a relatively valuable across the board contributor who's getting massive minutes. So before I go any further on that, are, you know, is he on your radar at all? Is he on any of your teams? Perhaps he's not on any of my teams. I drafted him in the 30 team league this season and then mm. conveniently dropped him long before this, which Ouch. pained me, but, but that's okay. That okay. wasn't, that wasn't the downfall of that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely on my radar. I guess I'm just wondering what I'm seeing, you know? I mean, like, his last game, he had 11 points, four rebounds, five assists, a steal, block, and a three. That's a great stat line. But do we think that's going to be the outlier or the norm, you know? I mean, yeah, four, what, one block or more in four of his last five games. Mm-hmm. Same with the steals. Like, that's great. But is that mm-hmm. – it's a small sample size. So I guess I'm just approaching it with some caution, if that makes sense. No, it makes it makes perfect sense. My argument and the reason I am picking up Kispert, and I do think that he's a solid rest of the season guy, is that in 15 starts, you know, he's averaged roughly what you said. 12 points, four boards, a couple triples per game, a couple dimes, and then a handful of defensive stats. Now, we've seen the defensive stats tick up lately, mm-hmm. and I think that was what you were getting at. Like, are those blocks real, or is that just some fluky symptom of he's out there for nearly 40 minutes a game? To me, on the one hand, the playing time speaks volume. So if, yeah, if he's locking into a couple defensive stats because he's out there for 36 minutes, so be it. He's still getting that playing time. And the second part is like, if this were a veteran who we knew didn't typically collect blocks, then I'd say, sure, it's a fluke. It's three of the past four games, whatever, write it off. But we're talking about a rookie who we haven't fully seen in this role, who's still learning the job defensively. He was getting better in real time. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm much more prone to like give the benefit of the doubt in those situations. Like maybe this is a sustainable trend. We don't know because we've never seen the guy in these situations before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a rookie who was a high pick on a very bad team with an ideal fantasy schedule, you kind of can't ask for more. So yeah, I'm I'm grabbing them and see see what happens. I'm sitting here with a screen pulled up in at least one of my leagues 
with Jared Vanderbilt on the drop screen and Corey Kispert on the ad column. I, what do you think? I, I make that move personally. I'm over. I'm over Vanderbilt. The button has been hit. It's done. I did it. All right. <laughs> we accomplished something here today. I like it, Matt. <laughs> Actionable information is what yeah, we aim for. See? So this is good. It's as easy as that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess elsewhere in D.C., anything else you want to talk about? Porzingis has been high on my mind. He's a cut candidate in my mind, too. Mm-hmm. Left knee bone bruise, obviously still no return date. Wizards have 21 games remaining. One thing working in KP's favor is that Washington's just one game out of the play-in currently, I believe. Mm-hmm. So maybe they do bring him back, but it just feels like time's a ticking and we have no real information on what's going on with his knee. Wes Unsell Jr. was optimistic that he would play on the first game after the All-Star break back on February 25th. Right. As far as we know, he's still not ramped up to anything beyond one-on-one with assistant coaches. <laughs> so... I don't know. Like an, he's dominate. He's dominating those assistant coaches. Well, not even. I heard it was a pretty, <laughs> pretty tough matchup. The unicorn. He actually, he actually lost to an assistant coach right. the other day. Yeah. But do you like? Are you cutting Porzingis? Are you kind of like, this is it for him? And I, I, obviously, it's dependent. If you're in fantasy playoffs, you probably can't continue to. Right. And and first of all, I didn't have him anywhere in the first place because I mm. think I I said no to drafting Porzingis in any leagues before the season for these reasons. But if I did have him, I think I'm I'm trying to hang on a little longer. Now, if you told me he's going to, I would be shocked if he came back and played in, you know, the majority of their remaining games. But isn't it possible? You know, he did have a doubtful, he was doubtful the other day. Like we have had some signs. It's not like he's just sitting out there with no updates, you know, there, there is a little info out there that maybe he's getting closer and it wouldn't shock me at all. If he comes back, does he play in five, 10 games? And if so, I mean, I could see him putting up really good numbers when he does, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, what if you do string together two of those weeks you talked about where the Wizards have four games? What if you get Porzingis for two of those weeks? I mean, it's a guy who could could be a, I, I hate to say it, I mean, he could be like a fantasy league winner, potentially. I, you know what? That's music to my... And then shut it down. And then shut <laughs> it down. That's music to my ears. I'm in a fantasy league where I have Porzingis. I know we're out of time, but I have him in one league where the the, the playoffs start now. I cut him. I have another league, uh, rock and roll league, that Steve's in with me, yeah. and it goes until the bitter end of the season, and I have Porzingis on an IL, and I'm like, just fingers crossed. Hopefully, he'll come back and do exactly what you said, win the league for me in the final couple weeks. Okay. Well, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting finding out what happens. All right, I'll update All right. you. Thanks, man. Okay, sounds good. See ya. <laughs> Raphael Johnson is next up. Raph, I believe you wanted to kick things off in Boston. Yes, that is correct. Derek White. Yes. Obviously a new addition there at the trade deadline. He's been primarily coming off the bench. He's got one start in his eight games. Right. 11.8 points, 3.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists, one steal, one block, 1.33 corners. His shooting splits aren't particularly good, but his usage has kind of remained the same as what it was in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I was starting to wonder if it may be time to kind of pull the trigger on dropping him, just because I know he's he's got the high-ranking six-round value in nine-cat, but because of the role change in Boston, it's kind of limited his opportunities to produce. But we had a bit of a change last night. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown went down with the ankle injury first quarter that went over the Hawks. Yes, he did. And Derek White had his best offensive game since joining the Celtics. 18 points go along with two rebounds, five assists, one three-pointer. No defensive stats, but he shot seven for 13 from the field. And now I'm kind of wondering if we're essentially in a holding pattern based upon what happens with Jalen Brown's ankle. Right. 
And I mean, Jalen Brown was ruled out, you know, pretty quickly for the remainder of that game. Yeah. You have to think this is an injury that's going to likely cost him some time. And I think just based on the defensive stats that we saw from Derek White, I mean, even though, yeah, his points and assists took a hit upon arriving in Boston, I still think a guy who can get you one steal, one block, and one plus three pointers is worth keeping around, even if he's a little underwhelming in other areas. So, yeah, I mean, you we, we could be looking at an increased opportunity, I think, here with Jalen Brown out, it seems like. I think because Brown said after the game that he could have gone back in had there been a need for him to play. So I think that's something to add to it. Okay. And what also doesn't really work in Derek White's favor right now is the schedule. You know, we got two more games this week, Thursday and Sunday, and then three next week with no back-to-backs. So if Brown is healthy, you got to think that they're going to be able to play him pretty close to his normal workload, which in turn would limit Derek White's fantasy potential. So yeah. Okay. I can definitely see holding on to him, but – I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough decision to make if Jalen Brown is, say, cleared for tomorrow's game. Right. And so basically what I just said a second ago about <laughs> Jalen Brown might miss some time might have been completely wrong is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Fair Damn enough. That. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So you're down on Derek White. I still think a guy who can get a guard who can get me a block per game is worth keeping around. We got a couple minutes and change left. So uh, where next? We're going to Minnesota. Okay. You know, last night, Anthony Edwards did not play because of tendonitis in his knee. Mm -hmm. And before the game, Chris Finch had some interesting comments. He said everything is on the table with regard to how much time Edwards could potentially miss. Could be a one-game situation. It could be a a situation in which they shut him down for a bit. And the schedule, they've got another back-to-back Friday, Saturday, then four games next week with a back-to-back. I was in the assumption that Malik Beasley would fill the role of the starter. Last night, he did not. It was Jaden McDaniels, mm-hmm. but Beasley had one of his best games of the season. 20 points, six three-pointers, along with four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. 28% rostered in Yahoo. As he's been in situations this season where it seems like he could be worth the risk, and he's kind of fallen flat on his face. Fantasy playoff time, are we kind of a will- bit more willing to roll the dice, even with the, the sketchy track record this season? By the way, first of all, is that the most annoying update from a coach ever from Chris Finch? Yeah. He might he might not miss any time. He might miss a lot of time. I, you know, well, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Awesome. <laughs> and by the way, when, yeah. another aside, when do we start calling it tendinopathy and not just tendinitis? Like the, I keep seeing tendinopathy. Is, is that just uh, tendinitis? I think that's real. I, I, I assume okay. so. Um, I think that's like a new word for the NBA injury report glossary. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that on the injury report before this exactly. season. Exactly. I just assumed it was tendonitis. Yeah. Okay. I'm basically stalling answering your question. All right. I think with Malik Beasley, <laughs> if we get some kind of concrete update, then yeah, I think I'm willing to act. That 28 minutes was his most in a month, um, and he had the 20 points and six threes with no Anthony Edwards. I think it's directly tied to. Is Edward, if Edwards is out, then I think he's suddenly playable yeah. starting or not. I don't think that part of it really matters to me. So I mm. think before I really run and add him anywhere, though, I guess I'm waiting for a more concrete update. I probably should go pick him up in the company league, which is a 14-team league where I have Anthony Edwards, um, as my dog agrees with me emphatically. <laughs> All right. Ryan's given us a definition. Tendonitis is short-term. Oh, so the, the tendon, tendonopathy that Edward is dealing with has been around for a bit. Okay. So 
There's a difference there. So thank you. Right, thank you, Ryan. And he said tendinopathy is a more long-term commission, but then he did like a condition, but he yeah. did a smiley thing. Like, is Ryan happy that it's a long-term <laughs> condition? I don't, I don't know. It's not funny. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan, please. Anthony Edwards is hurt. All right. Well, on that note, Raph, we're out of time, but I guess we'll, we'll come back to All this right. at a future date. All right. Sounds good. Okay. See ya. We are now going to talk a little DFS strategy to do that. Renee Miller is back. Renee, great to have you back. First of all, where do you want to start this thing off? Thanks for having me back, Matt. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, we could start at the beginning. One of the sort of foundational things that I do when I'm starting to build DFS lineups is to stay away from the the computer, well, stay away from the sites and work on a piece okay. of paper. I, um, I know oh, a lot wow. of people go right to the sites and the salaries first, but I try to get the big yeah. picture of the slate. Um, and that's something I want to go into a little bit more next time. But um, I'm looking at matchups. I'm looking at uh, Vegas lines. I'm looking at um, both positional and team level uh, statistics mm-hmm. in terms of pace and defensive efficiency and things like that. Um, so I'm trying to get an idea of the players I want to roster on paper, kind of agnostic of price. Of course, I'm aware of where salaries generally are, but right. um, I try to get that like idealized vision set up first. And then I go see what I, what can I make work? And I usually start on Yahoo. Um, they have the strictest positional eligibility. So it's a little bit, I think, harder mm-hmm. to, to work with. You get a lot more flexibility on the other two sites. And then I try to say, okay, now I have my idealized vision. I can't be married to that vision. Um, And that's a hard thing to do is to be, we call it um, cognitive flexibility, to be able to be kind Mm -hmm. of fluid and take advantage of um, inefficiencies where you see them, where you find them. So what is ideal on one site might not be ideal at all on another site. Trey Mann is, I know, been a popular play lately and his salary is really different across the three sites. So if you are, you know, every site will tell you they, they're very in the number of players that you roster between eight and nine, but you get the average dollar per player that, that, you know, if all your players were equal, they would cost whatever 5,500 or 6,500 or something. So, um, uh-huh. You can use that information to say, "Wow, this guy's really underpriced on this site. It's gonna, my money's gonna go further if I roster Trey Mann on DraftKings than it is if I roster him on FanDuel because he's seventy two hundred there, and that's mm-hmm. pretty high." Um, so you try to find little efficiencies like that to tweak your ideal, and I, I try to approach the different sites with, you know, maybe twelve or thirteen potential plays. So what you're saying is my general strategy of going in, just clicking around a bunch until I'm out of money is not the way to do it. Like you're, you start start with a piece of paper. And so if you're targeting game, you know, you find games where you like the total or whatever, is there a, will you restrict your, your DFS lineup to like a certain number of games? Will you say I'm going all in on, you know, these three games or do you? Do you like approach it that way or not necessarily? I might. I, I try to not be, I try to not have strict rules mm-hmm. in, in, on anything because, you know, you can cut yourself off from opportunity if you're, if you're too strict in your rules, but right. um, there are definitely games I lean toward more. If I can get good value and know that it's going to be a close game with, you know, very little defense, those are attractive qualities. And I will definitely bias that way then toward, you know, 
Miami and Philadelphia playing each other in a slow-paced, defensive-minded uh, game. Now, so, okay, once you've identified games that you like, you just, you've already said that you try to be flexible, but will you, for example, like lock in your, your top salary players first typically, or is that not even always the way you do it? Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I generally have a sense of whether I'm going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be stars and scrubs mm -hmm. because, you know, you have to have Giannis or you have to have Jokic or, right. um, or am I going to go more middle of the road? Am I going to try to take a lot of players in the the Halliburton, like Mobley? Those are two guys I like yeah. a lot for tonight. Or am I going to try to be a little bit more even keel and not have to find that 3K guy? Right. Not have to have Maladon in my lineup. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, I guess. So it, it depends. Yeah. And, and that second strategy you talked about is always so tempting because you end up with what feels like a more well-rounded lineup, I feel like that my best lineups aren't don't usually work that way. Like, but I guess maybe I more often try the stars and scrubs approach, just as a general rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I I use both, and I'm not a good data tracker to know whether one is more consistently beneficial because I really try to like wipe right. the slate clean every day and approach the problem anew. Uh, with fresh eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. And our timer's about to go off, but I just want to ask you one thing. So, I mean, generally speaking, you're not averse to like a middle of the road salary if you like the matchup. I mean, yeah. I, I'll just give you one example from over the weekend. I was excited about Isaiah Jackson coming back for the Pacers. And then, you know, on FanDuel, he's 5,600, which is always just such a weird range, right? Because it's not like a low enough salary for a guy just coming back from injury. Mm -hmm. He ended up having a great fantasy game, like 17.6 rebounds, five blocks. So, he hit value there, but I think that that number almost scared me off. So any thoughts you have on that, I'd love to hear before we go. So guys, in, in, in that range, if there's a positive matchup, both for game or positional mm -hmm. um, defense or something, that it builds in a little upside to the price. So I'm looking for players in that price range that are not dependent on one category of stat to, mm -hmm. to meet value, that can contribute in multiple ways and perhaps get the matchup and game environment that'll support that. So not a blowout. Um, gotcha. Cool. Well, this was great. Renee. Yeah. I, I look forward to the next time you can follow her on Twitter at Renee Miller. one. Thanks for stopping by. Great to have you on as always. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
We have two more writers still to go. First, we're going to take a quick break. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA Pick and Roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. We're highlighting matchups between the Knicks and 76ers, Kings and Pelicans, and Thunder and Nuggets. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. And we are going to bring in Noah Rubin now. Noah, hello. Hi. We. I'll, I'll start this by saying... That was a weird hello I just did. <laughs> we talk all the time about which players on bad teams might end up being the silly season heroes of our fantasy rosters. We always want to find those guys. Uh, are we starting to see that from the inconsistent but intriguing Chuma Okiki right now? Yeah, Matt. You know, before we get into that, I have a question. Have you played the game Purtle? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Steve Alexander was trying to get me, was, is not the right, uh, should not be past tense, is trying to get me into Purtle. Raf chimes in Pertle rules. Everyone seems to be loving this. Steve sent is like has me on a text chain with like his son and one of his friends now. They're talking about Pertle. I've not I've not succumbed yet, but I'm close. I'm close. Okay, well, since you know what it is, for anyone who's playing Chuma Okiki is a six six forward who's twenty three years old and wears number three, just in case anyone was wondering. Okay. Um not saying I don't think he's the answer today, but in the future if that okay. comes up. Okay. Um but I've been begging people to pick him up in Mo Wagner blurbs because Wagner's been out for the past, I want to say eight or nine games without a real update. So Okiki's really the only big coming off the bench for Orlando. And I guess people just aren't as intrigued by him. He's provided fourth round value over the past two months. This isn't like a, a short two week stretch where right. he just played a lot better. Like he's been pretty great yet. He's only rostered in 51% of Yahoo leagues. It's just, it's kind of mind-boggling to me, honestly. Yeah, and I I just looked at his numbers over the last eight games. He's around 12 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals, 0.9 blocks, 2.9 threes, and that's in 27 minutes. It's been a total roller coaster, though, within that. I mean, those numbers, they are, are must-roster numbers, but his just his points alone, and maybe this speaks to why he's not rostered more places, I would guess. Nine points, seven points, 26 points, six points. You know, I think... When you look at his game log, it's easy to see, oh, there's a six-point game, there's an eight-point game. I don't think I want this guy. Um, when the net effect actually is is pretty productive if you're willing to stick with him. Yeah, I think you're not really getting him on your roster if you're looking for points. You're getting him for threes, you're getting him for blocks, and you're getting him for steals, and he does a little bit of everything else. You know, I was looking at over the past two months, he's averaged 1.8 steals per game. And there's only a handful of guys that have averaged more or the same amount and have played more than just a handful of games. It's Bam Adebayo, Matisse Thibel, DeJounte Murray, Herb Jones, and Robert Covington. I'd say those are pretty good defenders. And then wow. if you look at people who have averaged similar yeah. block numbers, which is 0. 0.8, uh, you just have to drop DeJounte Murray off that list. But none of those guys are hitting as many threes as Okiki. So if you're looking for those three categories specifically, he can be a massive help there. Wow, nice. All right, well, we have about half our time remaining. So I think you also wanted to talk campaign who's been the the subject of much discussion around here lately what's on your mind as far as he goes yeah obviously you know he's probable tonight and is expected to take over starting point guard duties i think monty williams said that he will start uh so cam johnson can go back to a bench role and i think people are really excited to add campaign and maybe are losing a little hope on cam johnson but i'm kind of kind of looking the other way at it so campaign hasn't started a game yet this season Obviously, Chris Paul's been healthy, and when he's healthy, he's starting and playing a majority of the minutes. 
He started one game last season when the, they were resting their starters last game of the season. And then he had the two uh, starts in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the Western Conference Finals, those first two games that Chris Paul missed. And he averaged 20 points, nine assists, a steal and a half, a block and a half, and 1.5 threes. So people are probably like, that's great. He's back in the starting lineup. He's going to give me similar production. But I'm not so sure about that. Oh, I think, oh, okay. Yeah. Over his career, he's averaged 9.3 points and 4.7 assists as a starter and only 25.9 minutes. In that postseason, the two starts, he was playing minutes in the upper 30s because they really didn't have another option. They were just like, okay, next man up. But recently, Cam Johnson has been in the starting rotation, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if they keep him in the closing rotation um, as opposed to having campaign you know, play minutes in the upper 30s, especially after he's just missed 15 games in a row. I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Johnson, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say stays around the same value he has been. I think he's been playing at around third round value since Chris Paul got injured. I wouldn't, I don't think he'll be that good, but I still think that he's a better ad going forward than campaign. Interesting. You've obviously given this quite a bit of thought. I mean, in my mind, I think we, oh, yeah. we still need to roster campaign just to see. You know, I think maybe the the message here partially is if you have Cam Johnson, don't preemptively panic and cut him. Wait to see how this shakes out. Because in my mind, I look at campaign, you know, per 36 minutes this year, 18.5 points, 4.9 rebounds, 6.4 dimes, 1.0 steals, 2.03s. And I'm not saying I'm expecting 36 minutes or even close to that. But let's say he can get 20, I don't know, 25 to 28 minutes. I think you have still a pretty productive fantasy point guard can he get you you know 12 points five assists some threes and a steal here and there that's a guy who should be rostered in a lot of leagues so if he can do that i guess i'll be happy my expectations are kind of low but i still think 42 percent rostered in yahoo campaign we need to see what he does and for that reason i'd be picking up wherever he's available to see how this shakes out absolutely i think both are very solid options moving forward all right noah thank you for coming by by the way i have, an, I have a purdle update before you go Awesome. Brad also likes it, he said in the private chat. And more importantly, Ryan Canal said, I just fell in love with this game in real time. So in the last few minutes, literally in the last five minutes, Ryan Canal is completely hooked on Pirtle. So I'm glad that uh, my update was able to well, yeah, we, get we someone else that, if nothing else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Yep. Okay. Here to close things out here is Brad Stonebreaker, another declared, self-declared Pirtle aficionado. Brad, of course. <laughs> how are things? Things are good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think you maybe wanted to start our five minutes off here by talking about Bam Adebayo, if I have that right? Yes, that is right. S- slowly but surely, Bam is blocking shots again. Yes. I, I feel like we've we've talked at least two, maybe even three times about big guys that just aren't blocking shots this season. Kind of DeAndre Ayton, even though he's not really known for it, but mostly Bam and yeah, it's Yusuf Nurkic, who's career low point six is just yeah just brutal. Bam is still at just point nine blocks on the season after averaging at least one per game over his last two seasons, but they're back up and he's at two point eight blocks over his past five games, all of which he's blocked at least multiple shots. And it also helps that he's averaging a career high in steals, one point five of those. So kind of the uptick in that and the consistent steals throughout the season have him as a second rounder over the past two weeks, as opposed to him being a fourth rounder on the season, which doesn't necessarily justify his ADP there. So yeah, the, the, the positive in blocks is obviously encouraging, but 
does this stick? Is like which BAM are we gonna get going forward? Do we get rim protection BAM or maybe a couple more dimes, but no rim protection BAM? Or what? What do you what are you thinking? It seemed like so the first five weeks of the season or so before he got hurt, he was sitting at one point one steals, zero point three blocks, and now the last month he's at one point nine steals, one point four blocks, and I, and I just think what he's just our expectation the the zero point three never really made sense, right? No, yeah, mm-hmm. I think based on his track record, it seems like that was the outlier. I don't have the explanation for why that <laughs> switch has flipped, and I don't think we should mention it at all. I'm not really superstitious, but I think we shouldn't talk about it even for too long. It's just let's not mess with anything. No one move too suddenly. Like everything's fine. Maybe he's not going to get 1.4, but I think you can expect at least one per game moving forward. I would think based I, on this guy's track record. Yeah, I, I would really hope so. And if, even if he gets like one, even. I don't know if one like one point two is asking for too much, but I think that could bump him up to a little over one per game on the season, and maybe back into like I don't know third round value on the season to kind of make mm-hmm. up for his ADP. He, he was taken in a lot of late second rounds, and for a guy not a starting center on a, the best team in the East, not averaging a block a game is it kind of hurts, especially because people had high expectations, and that with the assists being down, it kind of not ruins his value, but it does put a damper on it for sure. So hopefully we see more, more, more of everything from Bam. Yeah. And we need it because he also has really high turnovers for a big guy, by the way. Yeah. yeah. 2.8. That's a, that's a yeah. juicy number. Yeah. It's, um, it's not good. Speaking of defensive stats, that is supposed to be the forte of Mikel Bridges. Uh, that actually has not really been the case lately, but he has been scoring. So, you know, we're talking about Chris Paul being out the fallout there. Is that directly connected to you, to what we're seeing from Bridges lately, or, or are you going to talk about something totally different? No, that's definitely included in what I'm going to talk about. I think it goes without saying Chris Paul not being there has to it has to help him. Like he's scoring more than five points per game over the past, or around five points per game over the past month, as opposed to his season averages around like 13 and a half and like low 18s or something. Mm-hmm. And in the last month, he's shooting over 60 percent from the field, which is yeah. just. I can't wrap my head around that for someone who shoots threes and makes them. Of course, you th- you think of Bridges and you don't necessarily think like, oh, elite fantasy player. Like I'm, I'm going to take him third round, third round, you know. But he's just that always that sneaky good, like fundamental guy that just gives you a little bit of everything without hurting you at all. He's averaging 0.8 turnovers per game for the second straight season, which just is kind of unheard of too along with on the season 1.2 steals 0.4 blocks and the only reason he's ranked it's a it's around a round and a half maybe closer to two rounds lower than last season uh, on the mm-hmm. season as a whole is his blocks are down he was almost at one block per game last season and he's only at 0.4 this season but everything else looks seriously like almost identical like he's just so consistent and you know almost exactly what you're going to get from him and yeah, like I said, the Chris Paul not being there, it has to help his shooting. And even if the defensive stats are down a little bit, I, th- I think they're coming back. And if if they come back slowly and his scoring stays up, I think he can have a really good finish to the season. By the way, that over the over 60% from the field stretch that you mentioned, I was looking at the last 13 games. Maybe we're looking at the same stretch. He's also shooting 30.4% on threes at the same time that he's <laughs> shooting 60 from the field. So I can't... I can't quite wrap my head around that. It's not like it's coincided with a crazy hot streak from long distance. So yeah, that's even no. more befuddling when you look at it. Yeah, no, I I, I can't say I, I didn't see exactly what his uh, three-point percentage was over the last, I think it is, yeah, 13 games, like you said, yeah. last 30 days. But if that's the case, that's even 
more bizarre honestly it's just like yeah. what, in the, what in the world really strange <laughs> splits 60.5 from the floor 30.4 from threes 80 from the line yeah. and yeah bridges is kind of as, as to put a finishing thought on this bridges is kind of the guy who he's like a top six like a fifth round guy right just just steady the same like you said the last two seasons almost exactly the same spot he's not really a guy i want to have be the fifth best player on my fantasy yeah. team though if that makes sense, no, I, I'm on the same I feel like page. If I could get him in the seventh round, I would be thrilled, but I don't feel like we can. And lo and behold, Raf has stuck around. He's back for the last word. We didn't know if he was going to stay. We, we thought he might run off and play Pirtle, but he solved the puzzle. <laughs> he solved the riddle, as he said. So he's here. Raf, final word from you. Actually, you didn't give me a chance to decide before we started the show. You just said, if you're here, we're gonna, I'm going to put you on. And if you're not here, then. That's it, but yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, well, that that's a form of deciding, isn't it? Because you could just leave the yeah. you can leave the uh, the waiting room if you don't want to be <laughs> come yeah. back on. I agree. That's <laughs> one way to put it. But I'm glad you brought up Mikhail Bridges. He's been like really solid all season long, as you've noted. I'm kind of in terms of his draft positioning. I kind of feel like he's where Tobias Harris was before this season. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, he's a solid mid, maybe just before the middle rounds guy, but you don't want him to be a marquee option for your team. Right. Because, you know, you could get in trouble. And, and we see with Harris, with the James Harden trade, his numbers have basically fallen off of a cliff here. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and I think in terms of Bridges, where would you guys kind of pinpoint, you know, drafting him for next season? It's just like he's the... Brad, I'll let you go in a second. He's just he's just like the ultimate glue guy, right? And I think you have to be careful about yeah. investing too high of a pick on like a glorified, really good glue guy. That's just my thought. Yeah. Like he's not going to give you those just box score smashing lines very often that just tilt a matchup in your favor. So he's like more of a roto guy to me, I think. Brad, what, where are you? Yeah, I mean, I think without Chris Paul, like we talked about, I think he's going to be scoring more these last 20 or so games. And I... I think there's a chance yeah. that inflates his ADP next year, uh, but I, I probably he's not a guy. I don't think I honestly don't think I've ever drafted him. But I don't think I, I don't think honestly I, I, but I don't think I take him like before the sixth round. Still, I think yeah. he's it basically stays about the same regardless of what he does uh, towards the end of the season here. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd rank him so that like he's in the seventh round range yeah. for me, and therefore I won't get him probably. Yeah, that sounds good to me, <laughs> Raf. Same with you? Similar? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd definitely want to have him if I had him, if he was available. But he's not someone that would be one of my targets going into a draft. Right. And I think the Harris comparison is a good one because it's a guy you got to be careful not to reach for too early, even though he has posted early round numbers or mid-round numbers or whatever you want to call it. All right. That is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Raf and Steve will be back here tomorrow with their Thursday show. And we're here on Friday, as always, talking waiver wire pickups. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us today. And thank you to all of our writers for joining. Ryan, Renee, Noah, Brad, Raf. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Of course. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 